Thank you for joining us for our Good Friday service. We're going to continue on with our series of authentic and talking about authentic sacrifice here this morning, more specifically being reconciled. So if you would open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. And Lord, we thank you for what you have done on the cross for us, how you sacrificed for us so that we can have salvation. And as we, remember, as we remember your authentic sacrifice here this morning, Lord, we just want to say thanks. Thanks for all that you've done for us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are times in your life that are unforgettable. Maybe your first kiss. Your first date. Uh, maybe it was your first car accident or the, the, your marriage, or maybe your graduation, your first child being born, your grandchild being born. There are a number of things in our life that can have an impact on us. And, and even though uh, those events may have happened a long time ago, oftentimes it's just a, a, a smell or a sound or a voice or a song that brings those ideas come rushing back into our mind and we get to relive those things over and over again. Now, if they're a pleasant experience, uh, we get the, the joy of doing so. But if it's a tragedy, sometimes it's a little bit painful. All that pain comes back again as we go and remember those things that happened in our life. But regardless of whether those things were unpleasant or pleasant, oftentimes they are life-changing. In fact, uh, you may have gone through... Uh, a time period in your life where you got to thinking about uh, your life in the past and you think, you know, I wonder where I would be if that didn't happen to me. Or if I made a different decision in life, I wonder where I would be right now. Sometimes we have those thoughts. Some of you know, but I was engaged before I met Valerie. I was engaged to be married, and I can probably tell you right now that if I had gone through with that marriage, I probably wouldn't be in ministry today. Valerie, she uh, received a, um, a call to come to Florence, South Carolina, where my hometown was for a job. And she accepted the job, and uh, we had some people from our church come by and visit, knock on her door, invite her to church. And so she came to church. As she had not made those decisions, and we wouldn't be man and wife, we wouldn't have our son, Austin. Michael was traveling through with his family, and they needed to make a pit stop, so they came to the Bunbury area for a pit stop. And they got looking around and said, hey, this might be a great place to start a church. Had they not have done that, then this church wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today. And chances are, a lot of the, the friendships and the fellowships and the, and the close that you have with other people here today in this room, it wouldn't have happened. Just one decision made that difference, made that change. Just one decision. Do you see how it can change your life, and not only your life, but the life of others as well? Think just for a moment where your life has taken you. And think about the individual steps that, that you took in order to get where you are today. One step to the left, one step to the right could have changed all of that for you. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is speaking to believers in the church of Corinth. And in these letters to the Corinth, he has been giving them some instructions and also challenging them and, 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 and answering their questions and the concerns that they have. And in this passage of Scripture, 
we're going to look at today, he is addressing being reconciled to God. So if you would open your Bibles and let's have a look and read through with me together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things um, are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we employ you this, uh, on, on Jesus Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Because of the authentic sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can be reconciled to God. But here's what I want you to understand here this morning. And this is our principle for today. Being reconciled to God is a life-altering moment. It will change your life forever. Please understand that here this morning. So how do we become reconciled with God? Well, first of all, it starts with a relationship. The relationship required to be reconciled to God. Notice here in this passage of Scripture, it starts out, therefore. And as any good teacher would tell you, anytime you see a therefore in Scripture, you always find out what it's there for. And so you go back and you read the context of the Scripture. And if you go back and read the context of the Scripture, Paul is talking about, he's speaking of salvation here. But Paul clears up any misunderstanding by including the words in Christ. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, I've got a few sampling of some verses here that talk about being in Christ, just to sort of give us an idea of what it means. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Notice 1 Corinthians 15, 21, it says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, that's everybody, all of us, we all die. Even so, those that are in Christ shall be made alive. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith. Notice again, in Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. One more verse. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. These are just a sampling of verses in the Scripture that talk about being in Christ. And from these verses, they tell us that we no longer are condemned, but we have been made alive in Jesus Christ. We are justified. What does that mean? Well, justified means just as if we have never sinned. As if we have done nothing wrong, our slate is clean. And to top it all off, we are sons of God. I find that to be amazing. The God of this universe, we get to call him Father. We have a relationship with him. This is what it means to be in Christ. And because of that, all of us should want to be reconciled to God because of that. 
But what really takes place in our life during this time of reconciliation? Well, notice uh, number two, the renovation that takes place during reconciliation. Back to verse 17, it says, Therefore, if uh, anyone is in Christ, notice there it says he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He is a new creation. Now, I don't know about you, but I enjoy watching these renovation shows on TV. Now, I'm not talking about one with all the stupid drama, okay? That's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about real renovation shows where they go into this place, and it looks like a mess, and it looks like a dump. And then they go, and they spend time, and they get it all fixed up and cleaned up, and they show the before picture and after picture, and it doesn't even look like the same place. It's amazing. I'm stunned to see what these guys can do with these places. But I've also seen that happen in the lives of individuals as well. Those that have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Man, I've had some friends, and they were rat bags, I'm telling you. They were bad dudes. They were into crime and drugs and everything else. And, and whenever they came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, wow, the difference it made in their life. You couldn't recognize who they were anymore. In fact, oftentimes their old friends would come up to them and say, hey, what did you do with Johnny? What did you do with Crystal? What's going on here? What happened to them? What happened to the person I know? It's kind of like Paul. Uh, their lives dramatically changed so much that people who knew them before didn't even recognize them. Do you know the story of Paul? Paul used to be called Saul. And he went through and started persecuting all the Christians. And then he got uh, permission to go to the next town over to persecute those Christians. And as he was heading over to a place called uh, Road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And that encounter changed his life forever. It not only changed his name from Saul to Paul, but uh, it changed his life. He no longer became a, pro, a, a persecutor of, of Christ, but yet he became a preacher of Christ. And we see that in his life. And he went around preaching Christ, and people were like a bit afraid of him. They thought it was like a Trojan horse, man. He's just going to get everybody together, and he's just going to take us and throw us all in jail. So people didn't believe he was changed. And it took one of the apostles to go and vouch for him and said, listen, I've seen this guy's life. He's changed, I'm telling you. And then as he goes and lives his life and he goes and preaches Christ, he begins to be persecuted. He begins to be put in jail. He begins to be beat. And then people start to understand, hey, maybe this guy's for real. Maybe his life truly is changed. And I see that in lives of individuals. It's as if they become a new person in Christ. And indeed they have. This is what the scripture tells us. They become a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Some of the worldly and ungodly things that they were involved with, they no longer continue to do that. Their standard of morality has changed. They can't do the things they used to do because of the new conscience they have in the, within their minds. All things have become new. They have replaced the negative behavior with positive behavior. They start to see things in a different light. Uh, they respond differently in difficult situations. They have a greater love for people. They have a greater appreciation for what has been given to them. There is joy and peace in their life that seemed to escape them before. They have a hope they didn't possess before. They have become a new creation in Christ. This is what this means. And you can see it on their faces. They're excited because of what Jesus Christ has done in their life. But who's the one that does this change in their life? 
Notice with me, thirdly, the renovator of this reconciliation. Back in verse 18, it says, Now all things are of God. All things pertaining to salvation here are of God. He is the, rec- he is the one that does the reconciling. He is the renovator in our lives. He is the one who does this, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to them the word of reconciliation. Notice here, God is the one that's doing the renovating. He is the one that's making the change in your life. The Bible talks about God being the potter, and we're being the clay. He is the one that is shaping us and molding us to to be what he wants us to be. He is the one doing the redemptive work in our lives. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to do. The clay clay doesn't assist the potter in repairing itself. The clay doesn't tell the potter what it wants to become. It's up to the potter. But yet, unlike clay, God has given us a choice. We can choose to allow God to to mold and make us and to shape us into what he wants us to become. We can choose to put ourselves into his guiding hands, or we can reject them. That choice is ours. But if we're going to become what God intends for us to become, then he is the one that has to do the work within us. It doesn't matter how many self-help books you read. It doesn't matter how many positive thinking seminars you attend. True change can only happen by the one who can change your heart. And he does that through his authentic son, through his authentic sacrifice. That which he done on the cross for us. Christ is the means of this renovation, uh, how it takes place. It is through Christ, verse 18 tells us. But before one can renovate a building, they must first get permission. They must first take possession of it. You just can't randomly go up to a building and start knocking down walls and say, yeah, I'm going to rebuild this place, right? You can't do that. And And before God can come into your life and start renovating your life and start renovating your heart and changing your life, he's got to have permission first. He's got to have possession first. And the scriptures tell us that we are bought with the, with the blood of Jesus Christ. That is how God purchased us. We are bought with the, with the blood of Jesus Christ. He can come into our lives now and he can renovate our lives. But in order for God to renovate our lives, it costs Jesus Christ his life. And this is what we're celebrating here this morning. The authentic sacrifice that he made. And notice that it was Jesus Christ alone. It couldn't be just any random person going up to the cross and dying for mankind. You see, that would be a counterfeit. It had to be the real deal. It had to be an authentic sacrifice. Only Jesus Christ was qualified to go to the cross and to pay for all the sins of mankind. Because he's the only person in this world that was perfect. And our redemption required a perfect sacrifice. Notice the order here. Notice that it's mankind that's reconciled to God. Verse 19 says, reconciling the world to himself. It's not God being reconciled to mankind. It's mankind being reconciled to God. Notice the order. When one has some books that um, needs to be audited, they go to a CPA or a bookkeeper or a an auditor, and they'll go and say, here's my books, and they'll go through and check them and make sure everything's right, make sure everything is correct, and they put their stamp of approval on it and say, yeah, these, I can testify that these records are true and correct. And then you go and you take those books home, 
and you have maybe secondary books or maybe you have a, a, a software program or something and you go and you compare the two, you don't sit there and go and say, well, hang on, this book over here says something different. I'm going to change this one. We don't do that. This has been proven true. This has been proven correct. And what we do is we go and reconcile all the other books to this which is true and this which, which is correct. My friend, listen to me. God is true. God is perfect. He is not going to change to meet our standards. Rather, it is up to us to be reconciled to him. Our society wants to change God. They say, you know what? Uh, I, I don't um, like a God that uh, uh, sends people to hell. I don't like a God that, that allows wickedness to happen in our world. I don't like a God that allows people to suffer. So therefore, I want to change God in my mind. Here's what I want God to become. And they start twisting and turning the character of God to become what they want God to be. But listen, my friend, listen. If you go and you change the characteristics of God, he no longer is God. He no longer becomes God. You see, God is true. God is perfect. God is correct. And God requires us to be changed, not him. You become an authentic Christian by understanding and accepting the authentic sacrifice that was made for us by God's authentic son, Jesus Christ. But what are the results of this reconciliation? What are the results of this reconciliation? In verse 19 it says, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And imputing their trespass and, and not imputing their trespass to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation, not imputing their trespasses to them. Notice that word imputing. The word imputing there is actually an accounting term. It means to place in someone else's account. That's what that word means. And here it's saying that Jesus Christ, God, did not impute, did not put into our account our trespasses. Whenever I was young. I uh, started work at a, a very early age. I, I started working. I started making money. And uh, my dad thought, well, you know, it's time for me to go get my own bank account and handle my own money. So I went to the bank, and uh, he had a uh, contact there. And I was talking uh, uh, to the lady there. And she says, you know, welcome to our bank. I'm glad that you opened up your first bank account with us. And she was so excited to have me there. And uh, so she opened up the account. And I got a, uh, a, a book of um, uh, checks. Do you know what checks are? You familiar with them? Well, back in my day, we used to use checks. And uh, we had cards as well, but when we used cards, we didn't know how much money we were spending, so therefore we'd spend too much money. So we were, you know, said, no, you shouldn't use cards. Either use cash or use checks. And, uh, of course, you wouldn't want to go and pay for everything online because once you did that, then people could actually get into your account and they could steal your identity and, and uh, all this fraud would happen, and therefore you'd have to live your life with a bad credit. And so it was just a bad thing to do. And so you use checks. And so I found out er very early in my life that just because you got more checks in the checkbook doesn't necessarily mean you got money in your bank account. Anybody else made that mistake? Oh, it's probably just me. And uh, I've made some errors, you know, trying to keep up with my checkbook and things like that. And so I had some insufficient funds, and so I started getting some bank fees, and so everything was going crazy. So my dad said, all right, look, grab your checkbook, let's go back to the bank and let them sort it out. So I went back there, and the lady was very kind and gracious, and she went through all my checkbook register and things like that. She goes, well, here's your mistake. Here's what you did wrong. And she went and corrected everything. But then she does something quite amazing. She says, Dwayne, you know, since this is your first time and you're still learning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe all your bank fees. I'm just going to clear it. 
So I'm going to I'm going to uh, uh, remove all those bank fees because this is your first time and you're still learning. Now the truth of the matter is, is that she looked at my bank account and said, "This boy ain't got nothing in there, so he needs all the help he can get." <laughs> right? And so uh, she was trying to help me out a little bit. That's what it is. And so she removed all the bank account fees. And uh, this is exactly what God does for us. He doesn't impute our trespasses into our account. He wipes our account clean. Our sins have been forgiven. But he doesn't stop there. He also imputes his righteousness to us. Now this is where it gets exciting here. Paul is speaking about Abraham here, and he says this in Romans chapter 4, verse 22. He says, and therefore it was accounted or imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for also for us as well. It was imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Here's the gospel here. And uh, who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. Get this here this morning. If you get nothing else I say this morning, get this. This is awesome. Here's what God does. God goes and looks at our account, and he removes our trespasses and our sin out of our account. And then he comes along, and he takes his righteousness, and he goes and he puts that into our account. So therefore, he no longer looks at us as sinners, but also he looks at us as being righteous and redeemed. Wouldn't it be great if someone were to go to my credit card company and say, you know what, I know Dwayne, he likes to spend credit cards and uh, he likes to max them all out. Every time he gets one, he maxes it out. And so he's got all this debt. And you know what, he's a nice guy. I want to help him out. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to pay for all his debt. Wouldn't that be awesome? Any volunteers? Yeah, okay. Oh, I did get one. How about that? Wouldn't that be great? But what if he doesn't stop there? We're going to say, you know what, here's what I'm going to do instead. You know, I know Dwayne, he, he's got these credit cards, and he's just going to keep spending. He's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put enough money into that account to ensure that he never goes into debt again. That would be amazing, would it not? Well, that's exactly what God has done for you. That's what he has done for you, all those who were in Christ. We are all born with a sin nature, separated from God. And because of that, it required a sacrifice. Somebody had to pay for our sin. We had to be reconciled to God. The only way that could happen was somebody to pay our debt. Long before this world was brought into existence, God hatched a plan to remove your sin debt and to remove my sin debt. And it required the death of his son. That's what it means to be in Christ. That's what it means to be reconciled to God. By accepting what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross, by uh, accepting that authentic sacrifice that he made for you, well, then you can be reconciled to God. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. You can be reconciled here this morning. But, what is, what, but once you're reconciled, it doesn't end there. 
Notice here, uh, number five, the recipient's responsibility when it comes to reconciliation. In verse 20, it says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we employ you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, you know what ambassador is. We have ambassadors of Australia that go to different parts of the world, and what they do is they represent Australia. They speak on behalf of Australia. They go and may have a message from the leader of Australia to deliver to this particular uh, country. We know what what we're talking about when we talk about an ambassador. Well, here the scriptures tell us that we are an ambassador for Christ, those who are saved, and we represent him to our world. All that some may know about Christ is what they see in us. They may not ever come to a church like this. They may not ever open up the Bible in order to learn about Christ, but they watch our lives and they see how we respond and how we act in certain situations in our life. And we, take, we can take those opportunities and we can share the love of Christ with others that are around us. And notice he says there that God is pleading through us. You see, Paul, you see his passion here. It's like God is pleading through us. God is pleading through me. He's pleading through you in order to bring the message of salvation to others. And doing so, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. How many of you would like to be in the ministry? Well, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are in the ministry. Welcome to the ministry. Congratulations. You are a minister of reconciliation, Corinthians tells us. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ with an offer of salvation to the world. The question is, are you, is not, are you an ambassador for Jesus Christ? The question is, what kind of ambassador for Christ are you? Do you represent him well? Do you go out and continue to take the message of the gospel to those who are in need? That's what an ambassador does. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up and play softly as we close the uh, service here. We come together to celebrate an authentic sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us. But have you applied that sacrifice to your life? As an ambassador of Jesus Christ standing before you here this morning, I want to get this message to you. If you're here this morning and have never placed your trust in Jesus Christ to save you, I would like to give you an opportunity to do that here this morning. This could be your life-altering moment. Your decision today can change the course of your life well into eternity. You're one decision away from changing your life forever. If you feel empty, like you're always looking for something more, well then you're standing in a crossroads of divine direction here this morning. Let me share with you here this morning what the gospel is. This is the gospel. We were born in sin. We are separated from God. Because of our sin. But Jesus Christ went to the cross. 
And He paid for your sins. He paid for my sin on the cross. And He died. This was confirmed by the Roman centurions that were there. They looked upon Jesus Christ and they confirmed that He died. And He died for you. He took your place. It should have been us on the cross. And then He was buried. But he had the keys to death. And the grave couldn't hold our Lord and Savior. And on three days later, he rose again. And we're going to celebrate that in a couple of days. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And he's done this for you. And by accepting what Jesus Christ has done for you, and calling upon Him to save you, you too can have a changed life that we've been talking about. You too can be reconciled to God here this morning. Let me ask you, do you have a need to be reconciled to God today? Maybe you're sitting out there and you're thinking, you know, Dwayne, that, that God is speaking to me right now. I see my need for a Savior. For those who are saved, let me ask you, what kind of ambassador for Christ are you? Are you taking the message, the good news, to those in your community? Are you sharing with them what Christ has done in your life? Let me encourage you this week to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now for those who would like to receive Jesus Christ this morning, if you're willing to believe that Jesus Christ died for you and He paid for your sins, I'm going to lead you in a prayer here this morning. And if you would like to receive Jesus Christ, I invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, Lord, I know that I am a sinner and I deserve to pay the sin debt that I owe. Lord, it should have been me on the cross. But you came and you took my place. You came and you took my sin. And it was your blood that was shed. So mine wouldn't have to be. And Lord, when you took all my sins on the cross, you allowed me the opportunity to be reconciled to God once again. And so Lord, I want to put my faith and my trust in you right now. Lord, I accept your gift, your sacrifice that you made for me. And Lord, right now, I want to call upon you to be my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to save me here this morning. Lord, thank you for your gift. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can be saved here this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and if you've made the decision to follow Christ, you'll notice your connection cards in your bulletin. If you would, just tick on there, I've received Jesus Christ today. With your contact details, and we'd love to call you up sometime and, and uh, connect with you and, and let you know what your next step is in your Christian walk. But maybe you're here today and you're just like, you know, Dwayne, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. There's still questions that, are, that I need answered. Well, then if you put on that card, I still have questions. I need to know more. We'll contact you as well. 
And we'll come and we'll open up the Bible and show you how you can be saved and answer your questions. Would you allow us the opportunity to do that? It will be a joy and it will be a privilege and honor to come and sit down with you and share the message of Jesus Christ once again. And as you exit, there's a couple of bags out there if you want to slip it in there or you can hand it to myself or Michael. We'd love that chance to go and share with you once again what Christ has done. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your gift to us. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for being the authentic sacrifice, Lord. We don't have to worry about it anymore. You only died once, and that was it. That was enough. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you for your salvation. Now, Lord, help us to go out of this place today being ambassadors for you and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And we ask it all in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.